You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. I realized I was recording this using the uh, wrong setting, so we're going to start over. Let's talk about the news. There's a lot of it to dive into in this one uh, today. I think it's interesting that the Cubs hired away basically the assistant GM of the uh, Oakland Athletics so he could take a step down in many regards, becoming their head of scouting. Now, the Cubs have drafted pretty poorly. I was talking about that just the other day on the podcast, so I'm not surprised uh, that they were looking to go out and find someone else to fill that, that spot for them. So interesting to see them make that move. A lot of talk today has been about the third base market. So if you're keeping track at home, it's a three-name market. Rendon at the top, Donaldson is a strong value, and then uh, Moustakis in the middle. I kind of wanted the Indians to go after Moustakis. I have to be honest, I don't think there's any chance of that now. A lot of teams are looking to enter this market. Uh, Today alone, we saw that the Dodgers are going to hotly pursue. We'll talk about them in a bit. The Rangers are going to hotly pursue at third base. The uh, Philadelphia Phillies, of course the Nationals. The Braves, um, those five teams, top of my head, for essentially what is a three-player market. I mean, there's other guys out there, but there are three names that stand out. So, yeah, don't uh, – Moustakis, the Indians, is, is about a 0% opportunity. And that whole two-year $16 million projection looks like it might fall apart because the demand uh, outstrips the supply. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out with those three guys. Another really interesting thing – um, just looking through the headlines today is it's like the Blue Jays brought in Yasmani Grandel. They're looking at some veteran bats. They they have a nice young core, but there's not. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily trust the pitching in Toronto. But they, you know, Toronto is a big market. That is a big city, and they should have money to spend. And it looks like they're going to go out there and use it. And they're going to try to take an add to that young core that's in place. And that really shakes up this free agent market. If all of a sudden you have a team like the Blue Jays, who aren't really viewed as contenders, are going to go out there and throw some money around. This could be a very interesting, very fluid-moving market. Uh, Everyone knows that the Rangers are also looking to be quite aggressive. Um, Houston is apparently going to go after some veteran starting pitching. But that was it. It uh, Toronto was looking at was going to be chasing Jake Odorizzi. Interesting, but I mean, this is what I talked about. Don't go for Garrett Cole if you're the Blue Jays. Why waste your time? See if you can swipe in at like the second or tertiary tiers while everyone's chasing Garrett Cole. Um, it's not the uh, it's not an unwise move. It's a that's the opposite. It's quite a wise move for a team to do. And they're another team that's looking at catching. And uh, you know, again, that's another one where the demand. Uh, is much higher than the supply with catching it's always that way that's the position that has the least amount of depth in all of baseball so someone like Travis DeArnd who had a great year at the Rays at the right time he might have worked his way into a massive payday for a guy who was you know on the verge of being uh, released at one point all stuff to watch um, like I said it's the third base market is going to be really interesting what happens with that pitcher pitching market? Again, really interesting because just to recap that market, you know the Angels, the Yankees, the Astros, 
conceivably the um, the Washington Nationals. Those are all teams that are going to be just top of my head chasing that uh, group. It looks like there'll be, you know, other teams getting involved as well. Uh, we might have an active free agency for the first time in a while, and that's good for baseball. In some respects, it's going to be bad for the Indians just because, again, um, they did have maybe a little money to spend, but it, it certainly seems like they'll get priced out, and they're going to have to sit back now and kind of wait for that starting pitching market to develop. So after teams miss out, like if you are a team like the Twins and you need five starters, I'm sorry, only four, if you need four starters, um, well, obviously the Indians and Twins wouldn't make a trade, so it's probably a bad example. But if uh, they wouldn't really trade with the Astros, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. If a, a team is out there and they're trying to add arms, maybe the Washington Nationals, who if they need to add, a, if they lose a Strasburg, uh, we'll have to see. Maybe uh, San Diego Padres, who kind of already said, yeah, we're not going to give Strasburg a lot of money. Um, I kind of, when it first came up that they were like, oh, could he go back home? I'm like, I don't see it. They have a monetary mess on their hands. And uh came out yesterday that, yeah, that's pretty much they've already given up on the idea of Strasburg. So we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, it's it's hard for the Indians from the perspective of trades where they're kind of in the same situation to when I talked about the Yankees where they don't really have the assets to get great pieces. Um, you know, they do have, there is value in guys like Pludko and Plesak and the like, but they're not going to net you a huge return. And it's going to be a hard off season for them to add talent. Like just to be honest, because of where they are as a team and what they have to trade. Um, you know, Nolan Jones is a great trade asset. I don't know how much they're going to be willing to consider him. But uh, outside of that, it's a lot of guys who are more kind of mediocre trade assets for the Indians. So I mentioned the Dodgers at the start of the show as one of those third base needy teams. When we talked about the Francisco Lindor trade rumors, um, as you might recall, the Dodgers kind of viewed their big weakness as the offense. It was the offense that really let them down in the postseason, and that was one of those things they need to fix. Now, adding a Donaldson or Rendon is going to be a, a huge deal for them, but it's not just offense when it comes to third base. It's also the fact that Justin Turner, who had a really good offensive year, had a really bad defensive year. He's in the last year of a massive contract with the Dodgers and is a prime candidate to move to first base for them. When you look at their team, I mean, it's it's crazy the amount of depth, and I Donaldson is kind of the guy I would bet there, though it seems like a lot of teams are thinking they can get Donaldson significantly cheaper than Rendon. So there's a lot of teams that have been connected with him more so than Rendon early on, so I'm kind of curious to see exactly how this all plays out. But, uh, you know, a year ago the Dodgers went for Pollock instead of going for Machado or Harper at the top of the market. But anyway, let's just kind of look at projected starters, assuming they sign a third baseman. So you got the, you know, random uh, free agent third baseman. First base becomes Turner. Second base, Mac Mun Max Muncy. Shortstop, Corey Seager. Your outfield is going to be Pollock, Verdugo, and Bellinger. Will Smith behind the plate. That leaves uh, Chris Taylor and Jock Peterson on the bench. Now, before I go into why Jock Peterson as a potential bench bat is... Uh, 
is really interesting and something to consider. Let's just get a quick word from our sponsors. So I talk about Jock Peterson as a bench bat. So the reason why this stands out as opposed to, you know, they're paying Pollock too much to be there. Bellinger, if he's moved out first, is, is he's an effective outfielder. Let's dive into the money here. The Dodgers are about $21, 22000000 million away from the, going over the luxury tax. Signing Donaldson or Rendon puts them over, uh, which weirdly puts them in the position of kind of a small market team having to mine their money. And I say this as a team that's going to have a $200 million payroll because they don't want to lose those draft picks. They don't want to pay the cost of going over that luxury tax. So they're going to be looking, if they add a top free agent, to then trade away some of the cash on hand. This is uh, to the Indians' benefit. Let's let's be honest. The two guys on the bench, uh, Jock Peterson being the one, Chris Taylor the other. Taylor's been such an important player for them over the years. I don't know if they're really going to uh, jump to move on from him. I was just kind of looking, but at the same time, you know, he's an arbitration two player, and he's going to make five million. So let's just go through the Dodgers' money real quick. Kershaw thirty-one at the top. Turner twenty. 18 for Jansen, 15 for Pollock, 11.6 projected for Bellinger, 8.5 for Joe Kelly. Ugh, that was not a great move. And then Jock Peterson also projected for 8.5. And if you haven't been paying attention at home with Jock Peterson, you know, here's a kid who is 27 years of age, and he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So it's not like he's someone who, I'm sorry, he's going to be a free agent in two years in 2021 um so if you get him at this point you've got you know those you basically get him for two seasons you get him for the uh no i'm sorry it it would be one year because you get him for 2020 he's a one-year guy at this point he has his five seasons in you get him for 2020 he becomes a free agent he is an arbitration three guy and he's set to again make 8.5 million he's not guaranteed a starting role um he was worth 3.3 BWAR a year ago. Plain and simply, he hit, I mean, the power really emerged. 36 home runs with the doubles dropped to 16. And he's always walked at a good rate. And he's his since that first season when he had 170 strikeouts, he has really worked to cut that total down. And he's a productive outfielder. But for a team like the Dodgers, um, where they have so many internal options when you get down to it like the Dodgers aren't going to let Bellinger get away he is uh you know a core piece of that team uh Pollock's already locked up for Dugo they have five more years of control that outfield is established at this point so trading a Jock Peterson would make sense from the Dodgers perspective now if you're the Indians what can you do how can you entice them for that Part of me would want to be like, well, they do need relief help, Brad Hand, but then that kind of eliminates the whole point of trading Peterson, which is monetary savings. Because if they can save that $8.5 million, that puts them a lot more safely under the luxury tax um, envelope, as it were. And then with someone like Chris Taylor, his role is going to be replaced by, uh, by Gavin Lux, one would assume, next year. Um, it's either going to be Taylor or Seeger, who likely... Uh, start seeing their playing time severely cut into. So that's about together that'd be 13.5 million off their books. I think the Dodgers are 23 million under away from the salary cap right now. So then you add that together, quick math, 36 million. 
that allows them to go out and if they have to add someone at 25 26 million a year they can do it safely now again you're getting chris taylor has two years of control jack peterson one year of control but both valuable players both starters for a potential team so what can the indians do while also allowing the dodgers to save payroll space well before we even do that let's just discuss how those two players would slot in it's pretty simple how they'd slot in. Uh, Taylor takes over, becomes your starting second baseman, and then you're starting right fielder or left fielder, depending on how you want to play things, becomes uh, becomes Jacques Peterson with uh, the other outfield spot essentially becoming a platoon in my mind with Luplo and Johnson, though. The Indians seem committed to giving Luplo a full-time chance as a starter, so maybe then your outfield is just Mercado Luplo and Peterson. It also then gives you, you know, another year in terms of development for Johnson, or you can get called up and slowly be moved into a full-time role. And for the Indians, it also buys them time for Nolan Jones's development as as much as we're all like, yeah, he should be ready by mid-season. Development's never a direct straight line. Uh, sometimes it's quicker, sometimes it's slower. We'll have to wait and see. So how can the Indians entice the Dodgers? Um, well, the Dodgers starting pitching for next year right now projects to be Kershaw and some dudes. Um, and I don't mean that just in the generic form. I mean, it's, you know, it's Kershaw and Bueller in fairness. And then you have Ross Stripling, who's essentially been a swingman for his entire career. Julio Urias, who was a, you know, former top prospect, flew through the minors, has had some off the field stuff. Then you got Tony Goslin and Dustin May essentially fighting for that final spot. I don't know if they necessarily need to add a starter, and especially one of the Indians' level. I don't think the Indians can appeal to them there. Bullpen. uh, This is where they need help. Canley Jensen's had his issues. Pedro Baez. um, Jensen's second half is really ugly. Baez was a solid arm. Kalarik worked against lefties. Maeda, just a dependable kind of... Workman type guy, Joe Kelly, not so much, but they're stuck with him. Uh, Yumi Garcia has had his ups and downs. Adam Clark is the only lefty they have. And after that, it just kind of started to, to go down. So to make a trade like this work, my gut feel, it's like my first thought was that they would want uh, a, a Karen Chalk. And I don't think the Indians would be willing to, to go with that. And... Yes, they don't have a lefty, but the problem with an Oliver Perez is with the new rules being implemented. Perez doesn't really have the value he had because he's going to have to start facing righties, and he's just not any good against them. Uh, It made me think that maybe a pitcher of Adam Simber's level would hold a little bit of value, but let's be honest, he wasn't... uh, he, He was inconsistent in his performance over the course of a year. Basically, long story short, is for as much as I've talked up the Dodgers piece here, um, and we've talked about Lindor and how that did make sense, there does not seem to be, at the core, a trade that really makes sense between the Indians and the Dodgers for those two players, unless it would involve a Karen Chalk. Because even with the other interesting relievers, Sandling got hurt, so his value is, is limited. Nelson is an interesting lefty, but... We have not had an extended period of, uh, of judgment. They have pen arms, the Indians do, but they're just, they're not proven yet. So, long story short, I don't 
necessarily see anything. Um, best case would probably be something like Aaron Saval. If you were to look at it and be like, we'll trade you Saval and Nelson because, again, the Dodgers don't have a left-handed reliever outside of Adam Kalarik, who's, again, a pretty much a loogie type. They'd be rolling the dice on the production of Nelson um, as a lefty can get out both guys and would be ready at some point this year. And Saval is being a better option than maybe Ross Stripling and allowing Ross Stripling to stay in that role. He's been extremely effective with, with the Dodgers. So you look at those two guys and you combine them, you send them there. Because again, I mean, Jock Peterson was, was quite good and Taylor getting two years of control. That's probably closer the best deal I could think of that might entice the Dodgers enough to to be like okay just Pissaval was so good um you know Plesak and Pletko they had their ups and downs um but Saval was was relatively dominant in his time with the Indians surprisingly so um so he's the one who's going to carry the most trade value in any possible deal so we're revisiting the Dodgers again just because that headline made me think but if that deal were to happen, I'll be honest, I'd still be trying to get Connor Wong out of it just because the Indians' lack of catching depth, him being there buried on the Dodgers chart, and uh, I've been a fan of his since his college days. Uh, so that would kind of be my ideal deal, would be uh, Wong, Peterson, and Taylor for Saval, Nelson, and then probably a, a low-A lottery ticket type uh, player going the other way uh, for the Dodgers. But at this point, we need things to start happening. Uh, it's Nothing ever happens this early on. We're not going to get much more than rumors and visitations. Uh, no signing is imminent. No signing is ever going to be imminent. Also came out Garrett Cole said he was going to take his time. I mean, all of them take their time anymore. No one is signed, sealed, and delivered in the MLB. And it's the problem is, is for a lot of teams, you know, the top end of the market is going to be held ransom by Garrett Cole until he signs. So there's not going to be as much to talk about in terms of happening news. We'll just have to kind of wait and see what develops, who goes where, and uh, how the Indians can help make themselves better to take advantage of uh, this window they have of essentially the next two years before they lose Francisco Lindor. And if we're being really honest, uh, Lindor will be with the Indians until July. If they are playing well and top of their division, he will likely still be with the Indians in July. If the Indians are behind or closer to a 500 team or disappointing, uh, Lindor will be traded in July of this year, and we'll kind of start to see that many rebuild in hand. Uh, speaking of hand, Brett Hand would also be probably on the move at that point as well. But, uh, yeah, what a bummer to end with. So let's not end with that. The Indians should be calling the Dodgers um, for a multitude of reasons. Again, I don't know if it's necessarily the best fit. I don't know if the Indians, what they're willing to flip or move there. Um, if you're like, well, what about a bigger deal for Lindor? The problem with any bigger deal with Dodgers and Lindor is, again, Lindor is going to be in line for, I think, like $17 million this year in arbitration. Or maybe it's only 11 or 12 Either way... Um, Lindor is essentially going to make as much as Taylor and uh, Peterson combined. So if you look at those guys, you still need more uh, back. You'd have to almost uh, absorb another big contract because if the Dodgers want to add that third baseman, they also have to shed salary. It makes it a tricky tightrope to uh, to walk. 
And really, at this point, it's not even the starting pitching market that we should be watching, but that third base market and seeing who signs where, because that is what's going to cause things to shift very quickly, is once those guys start going, teams are going to jump, because a lot of teams are currently focused on starting pitching in third base. So starting pitching is held up by Garrett Cole. Third base is not held up right now. And once the first domino falls, the rest are going to go quickly. As always, this has been Jeff Ellis of Scout.com. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Thank you for listening, and as always, Go Tribe!